0: Welcome to our podcast uh, for the month of November. Um, so for some reason, for me, I felt like it's been a long gap since the last podcast episode, but yeah. I guess it's just been a month. A month
1: felt really long.
0: Uh, yeah. Um, today we're going to talk about um, basically how bodies are politicized, um, Categorized, um, and I guess we'll be speaking about kind of our own experiences, mm-hmm. uh, but also trying to um, speak about it more broadly as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think basically for me, the biggest change is that I um, found out I'm pregnant so in September, and um, I think although this idea of bodies being governed and categorized, politicized, constantly monitored, um, has been something I've thought about for a long time, Mm -hmm. I've now thought about it in a different way, obviously, because I am pregnant and my body's changing in, um, in a way that it hasn't before. Yeah. And so I th- I think something that has surprised me personally is that prior to getting pregnant, I always thought that I would be so accepting of my pregnant body. Um, and partly because I've been someone who has wanted kids. And so since I was a kid, I was always like dreaming of the day that I would have a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like as someone who hasn't been the type that said, I don't want to be a mom or I don't want to have kids. I just naturally assumed that the day that I would get pregnant, it would, I would just be like, it would be like a miracle. Like I'd, I'd accept my body. And, yeah. and, and at, in some ways, actually, when I first found out I was pregnant, um, I was talking to my therapist and she asked me something about whether I felt more accepting of my body now. hmm and in that moment, I said, yes. And I think I did. I think that that, like, first week or something,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I did feel, like, more accepting. But it was almost, not, it was almost like, now I have an excuse to look a certain way. It was mm-hmm. more that. It was more, it, yeah. you know. And, um, and anyway, so as, like, the pregnancy has progressed, what has happened, I feel, is that the more you read and like I go to medical appointments I mean I haven't gone to many but like the the one appointment I went to with the the, the midwife Mm -hmm. um they so they'll they'll weigh you and I haven't weighed myself in a long time Mm -hmm. um so I don't even know what I weighed before I have no clue like I could maybe guess a number but I don't I don't know Mm -hmm. and so after like nine weeks of being pregnant and I get weighed there and Mm -hmm. I see the number and it's higher than it's ever been in my life.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Suddenly like I thought, Oh my God, like I felt, I was trying to, I I felt myself trying to protect myself from being, from like any comments that might be made or, um, even from my own thoughts and whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, they didn't say anything, but you know, they do calculate the BMI. Yeah. I don't even know how that works in pregnancy, <laughs> but yeah. um, so even just that discussion being had, I started thinking, okay, wow. So now, I my body is being monitored, mm-hmm. and it's not just for the health of like myself and the baby but also my body's being monitored in terms of how big I'm gonna get and how much weight I'm gonna gain. Mm-hmm. And so already there's this like, um, like politicization and kind of governing of the, of the pregnant body and, mm-hmm. um, and also like BMI in pregnancy. Yeah. Like, how accurate is it that you're going to say that in the first trimester someone can gain 0.5 kg, ideally? Yeah. And then you gain everything at the end. Like, it doesn't, obviously, all our bodies are different, so it doesn't work in that way that you can reduce it to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think, for me, that um, it began to just, I began to kind of see my body in a in a different way. Um and not necessarily in a very positive way,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it comes and goes like I feel like some days I'm better with yeah. <laughs> and some days I'm not. and you're constantly comparing you're constantly seeing like comparing to to people who post pictures of themselves as pregnant and mm-hmm. just have like the same body, but just a bump, and that's fine because that's their body type, but you
1: yeah.
0: you know so there's that, and then um. I think at the same time, there's a, there's not only that worry, because in, in many ways you're re- rewarded for fitting in at the same time. Even though you're being monitored, you're also rewarded for as a woman getting pregnant and you're mm-hmm. kind of doing exactly what's expected of you. Yeah. And at the same time, I had this fear and this judgment, uh, sorry, this fear of judgment from other women who may identify as feminist as well um or not even even women who don't identify as feminist but might see um might see like pregnancy at my age being 27 as too young and that I'm kind of that I should focus on on just my career at the moment yeah so there were like those fears and I identify as a feminist but there's obviously differences in different people's views and so there's this kind of fear mm-hmm. um but then I read something in like the book that you suggested to me <laughs> the Argonauts yeah. that I thought I would read um, and I'm just gonna get it up so it says is there something inherently queer about pregnancy itself insofar as it profoundly alters one's normal state and occasions a radical intimacy with and radical alienation from one's body, how can an experience so profoundly strange and wild and transformative also symbolize or enact the ultimate conformity? Or is this just another disqualification of anything tied too closely to the female animal from the privileged term? In this case, nonconformity or radicality. So, that when I read that, I was it really spoke to me, and I think in some ways gave me like a lot of peace and language mm-hmm. to, because I think that there is this inherent queering of the body, it deviates from the normal. Yeah. And you yourself have experienced that like deviation from the normal, right? Mm-hmm. And this queering of the body
1: yeah. with
0: type 1 diabetes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because like obviously when I was diagnosed I was 10 so like your most 10-year-old aren't thinking about their body in like that way. You know, it's just kind of like there and you don't really necessarily think about it unless you already have some sort of disability or maybe if you I guess like if you experience racism from a young age then you will sort of maybe think about your body in a different way as well um but yeah i think like it's funny because like obviously when you're the like common conversation around diabetes like diabetes jokes all of that is that it's sort of your fault if you're diabetic right and so uh, like for example a comment that i always got since I was diagnosed with diabetes as a child, I was like, oh, but you don't look diabetic. Like you're so thin. And so like without me realizing, I mean, you're already living in a world that is so fat phobic. And there's already this idea, regardless of whether you have a health condition or not, that you have to be thin. And if you're not, then it's your fault. And you're like not doing enough to remain thin. And so then when you're already being told like, oh, but you have this illness, I thought only like, I thought thin people couldn't get this illness. Then there was this idea of like, oh, I have to continue to be thin and I have to do everything possible to maintain a certain like weight or size so that people believe me when I say that it's not my fault and that I didn't do anything to get this. And and like, I've seen this in like, conversations around like diabetes awareness where people will make comments uh like when people are talking about insulin pricing for example people will make comments saying like oh you should just like lose weight just exercise and then you won't have to worry about um insulin pricing and then i'll see like responses of people going like oh i'm i'm like thinner than you and i'm diabetic it's not about weight and like i understand to a certain degree where that type of response comes from because i think i had that those types of responses when i was younger but then what you're saying like what you say when you're saying oh i'm thin so diabetes is not my fault is people who aren't thin and are diabetic you, you can blame them it, it is somehow their fault because they could do something to like be healthier supposedly But the reality is that, like, it's not, obviously, it's not an indication. Like, what regardless of your body type, um, whether you're able-bodied or not, is not your fault. Um, And it's interesting, like, in a book that I was reading today, which is called Cuerpos Sin Patrones, um, I've only recently started it but it's sort of about the like fat acceptance movement and it's interesting what they talk about is like how fatness is for them like a political statement and it's a political movement because there is this idea that like th- there's like an association with greed or with uh burdening healthcare systems and like everyone talks about this like uh supposed like obesity epidemic and how they need to like get rid of that so that there's no like um so yeah to stop overburdening the healthcare system when in reality weight is not correlative to health and um it doesn't take into account maybe certain social economic political factors that can like cause health conditions yeah it's just like it's an oversimplification of both health and weight and disability and all these different factors
0: yeah i agree and i think it just reduces everything to the individual so you're you're not the in no way do you consider the sociopolitical context that that individual exists in mm-hmm. um and also then there's this kind of idea that if you're skinny then you're healthy Mm -hmm. so like it doesn't mean that if you're fat you're always healthy Mm -hmm. right it could be that you're unhealthy but it could also be that you're skinny and you're unhealthy Mm -hmm. so the point is like why do we only um kind of talk about fat bodies in a certain way right so that's the kind of um Mm -hmm. Difference, And I think that also, uh, like, when you're pregnant, there there's that same thing where, you know, there's this idea that if you're, if you gain a certain amount of weight, then you're to blame if there's any medical condition that your child has, for mm-hmm. example, or th- things like that. And it's much more complicated than that. You can't reduce it to that. Um, and 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 so in many ways yeah it allows that that reducing things to the individual allows for capitalism to thrive Mm -hmm. um and it's also um what you see within mental health and you see that things are reduced when they're reduced to the individual then it becomes all about thinking positive and you changing your own mind Mm -hmm. uh like y- you being responsible for how you feel mm-hmm. and completely disconnecting it from anything related to kind of the politics and the world that we exist in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and so I do think that they're very interlinked.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the thing with pregnancy is that it's temporary. And so you're privileged in the sense that you, whatever you may experience, is going to go away. Mm-hmm. Um so that's it's just something interesting to consider. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I'm breathing really heavily because this is just a symptom of my pregnancy.
1: Okay, I think <laughs> I'm breathing heavily because I had too much caffeine.
0: <laughs> you know, I had coffee today, just uh to, sorry to deviate. <laughs> after, like so many weeks, I had some coffee today and I did not reject it, which was mm-hmm. great. Uh, yeah but um, there's that I think that that kind of the queering of the body so when the body is not seen as normal it's constantly monitored so whether that is that you don't fit into the gender binary you don't present as uh, you know woman or man um, you're disabled um it's like it it almost. it's like it like invokes something within the these people who um are ableist mm-hmm. are fatphobic um you know are homophobic are transphobic there's this kind of thing that it's like this weird fear that <laughs> like this hate and this fear that it invokes within them, and so it's that um for me in some ways it reminds me of like within our existential kind of fear of death for me because it's something i'm interested in a lot mm-hmm. i think there's this desire to believe that you are like a superior being mm-hmm. you know that you're going to live on yeah you're a child of God that you're kind of so special that when you're confronted with something that for you is not normal, mm-hmm. suddenly you're like, Oh, no, I don't want to see this let's let this this isn't normal, so let's blame the person for this rather than accepting the fact that there that this idea of normal is just constructed by us
1: yeah yeah I think there there's like this idea of the what is natural is what is like beautiful, and you see that even in conversations where like people are, as in like there's two extremes where people are either too pro like medicalization of the body or the opposite extreme where it's no everything is natural and and beautiful and you shouldn't take medications because. There's always, like, a natural solution. But in reality, like, they are both are true to a certain extent. And when we're talking about, like, oh, like, nature and, and everything is beautiful and all of that, there's a tendency to ignore other sides of nature where, like, it's also equally as natural and normal to, like, get sick and for things to decay. Even if we're just talking about this current situation, this whole year of a pandemic, like the virus is natural. It's part of nature. So illness is not like, I guess like if we're talking about, for example, uh, fat phobia and how people justify that by saying like, oh no, we're just concerned about this person's health. Then like suddenly health is like the ultimate goal and like that is the ideal um and that is what is like supposedly natural but actually being unhealthy is equally as normal and natural
0: exactly it's not like exactly so there's this kind of people suppress or this um uh Yeah, like this repression of everything that is not beautiful or Mm -hmm. um, that kind of equates you to living forever, Mm -hmm. reminds you of death, things like illness, right? So there's that. um, And there's the same within kind of i think within pregnancy where you'll find the extreme of everything is medicalized and where you know in many ways like when i went for my appointment i understand the need to ask these questions about my history family history i get it Mm -hmm. um And here, like in the UK, there is that, that you are seen by midwives in some ways. It's not as medicalized in other places where everything's to do with a doctor, where you're going to have more intervention that happens, where things like water births are not, are not accepted. Like, so it is in some ways better here, but then at the same time, you are constantly reminded of, um, the possibilities of your child being born with a certain disability, with uh, not the right number of chromosomes, or things like that—they're that con- they constantly remind you of—and um, <clears throat> and so you're already in your mind have this idea of, well, I'm going to give birth to this baby, mm-hmm. and how will this be like? how is my baby going to be categorized, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, again, this idea of disability is already being thought about before that baby's already, you know, is born. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course, gendering the kid before it's born as well, like all these things. Um, And then you have like the other extreme that says, well, it's a beautiful journey, enjoy all of it. Don't worry, leave it up to God. Everything's going to be great. And that also doesn't help because I think um, for me, I'm like out of breath now. For me, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm always running a marathon. Um, For me, it reminds me of um, like, okay. I know it's not with bad intentions that someone will say it's a beautiful journey. Mm -hmm. Obviously, like I get it. And for that person, it might have been a beautiful journey, which is great for that person. But I think it forces you to kind of have to present in a certain way Mm -hmm. and to show your desire for this baby in a certain way. And so it's, you're you're meant to love and enjoy every moment and nausea is meant to remind you that the baby's alive and wow it's great i love this you know or like um just these constant uh reminders Mm -hmm. of you having to be happy all the time are not helpful because that's not the reality of it Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of anxiety linked to pregnancy even if you desired that pregnancy there's Mm -hmm. a lot of anxiety linked to it Mm -hmm. um and so for example the idea of self-love becomes complicated there Mm -hmm. because it links in some ways to this positive psychology (laughs) culture Mm -hmm. um it completely ignores again like we were saying anything external to that person Mm -hmm. um am i making sense
1: Yeah, I guess it's like this, if you haven't had to think about how your body functions before that point, then it's like a moment when suddenly, like, your whole relationship with your body changes, because it's suddenly not just like, oh, it just automatically does what it has to do. You maybe have to be more aware of, like, I don't know, like putting certain like uh maybe restrictions or like rules for yourself in order to make sure that you like stay healthy yeah you didn't eat before and so like if similarly like with me being diabetic or like with having hypothyroidism or people who have different kinds of disabilities if it's like a cognitive disability or whatever where there's certain things that you suddenly have to like think about like it's you don't just like go through your day without considering your body and like your relationship with it and how it's feeling and like what do i need to do in this moment
0: yeah i agree i think there's that um like i i think i told you in the first few weeks of my pregnancy which were, I think the worst for me, normally they say, that's not the case. You won't even know, you won't even realize. But for me, I realized like from the day right after my Mm -hmm. body felt so strange. Mm -hmm. My blood pressure was dropping. I felt like, you know, the increase in blood flow in my body. It was just so weird. And like me waking up in the middle of the night, feeling like Uh, It was just the weirdest feeling, uh, my heart beating really fast, constantly having to suddenly, like you said, suddenly being made aware that, oh, I have to think of my body, which I didn't have to before. And so I was telling you that it made me think a lot more about disability because I think prior to that. Yeah, I spoke to you about it, but obviously, I not that I not that I've experienced disability, but I mean, you, you just the fact that you have to become more aware of your body suddenly makes you think, "Wow, like this isn't easy," you know. And so, for you that I I've seen you sit for like so many years thinking about what you eat and calculating everything, um, suddenly I was doing this. I'm doing the same. Mm -hmm. and not even to the same extent you do it, but I mean, even having to think about the number of, like how much protein I have in a day Mm -hmm. and um, how much uh, iron I have in a day and like all of that where you're weighing things um, takes a lot of energy out of you. Mm -hmm. And so it's not, (laughs) it's, um, I just, I can't imagine if I were right now having to worry about how to expense the costs of my like maternity care,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how much more of a burden that would be. Cause right now I'm privileged that I'm in a country where I have like public health, you know, like there's public health care. Yeah. And so I don't have to pay nothing. I don't have to pay anything for yeah. um, my care or delivery, mm-hmm. but it's crazy to think that, you know, so many people do, The fact that you're delivering a baby and you have to pay for the baby to come out of you, like, what do you want me to do Keep it inside?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, like, it's it's interesting because it's meant in many ways, I guess, that, like, pregnancy is almost like a summary of, like, other issues within healthcare because in the same way as, like, for example, and I'm only using diabetes as an example because, like, obviously that's the easiest for me, but it's relevant with like other health conditions or disabilities. If, for example, with insulin, where in many places it is not free or in places like the US, it is completely like overpriced and like to a ridiculous degree. Um, Anybody who's not diabetic, their body's producing insulin constantly for them without them thinking about it but then all of a sudden because my body and other diabetics bodies either don't produce insulin at all or don't assimilate it well enough for some reason it's like oh okay you need to like basically almost go bankrupt <laughs> to pay for this even though like everybody else doesn't even think about how much their body is producing and they don't have to think about oh i'm i'm I need to like watch my weight so that I don't use too much insulin because otherwise people are going to say it's my fault and there's nothing wrong with the healthcare system. It's just like me. I just need to like figure it out myself.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I do think it's, it, it is ridiculous how, again, it's this, this kind of, how people have been like taught to believe that if you work hard enough, Mm-hmm. that's it like you make it like you're responsible we're all only responsible for ourselves and not each other and not mm-hmm. about changing anything it's just about you and how you think about things and mm-hmm. um so honestly it's it's so ridiculous that that's even a conversation that's being had or that it's even considered like radical like I, yeah. I don't get it
1: yeah on a I was thinking like on a different like note but sort of related what about what we were talking about before the idea that like a healthy body is the like normal body um and what you were talking about with self-love i was sort of thinking about like or something i've been thinking about a lot recently is the kind of like self-love movement or whatever that exists online um and like how it's sort of been like commodified in certain ways um and also the like language that's used to talk about it so for example like and i've noticed this from a lot of like fitness people online but also like generally even in everyday life from other people um the like idea of you know when when somebody doesn't like their body or is um yeah uncomfortable with their body there's this like say like people normally tend to say oh you should like love your body because your legs allow you to run and your you know arms allow you to do this and like talking about all the things that your body allows you to do but in a very very like able-bodied standard so it's like completely disregarding it's kind of saying like you have to be grateful that you're not fat like you're not disabled so that's why you should love your body but not thinking like okay what about the people who can't use their legs to run or who have chronic pain and so maybe they technically can but like it's they can't in other ways like it's not good for them to or for who it might be like a little bit more difficult to do certain things to like for coordination or you know things like that um, and. Yeah. So again, like reestablishes the idea that only, you know, like only certain bodies that are thin and able bodied and white usually um, are kind of worthy of love and self-love and everyone else you sort of like have to figure it out for yourself.
0: Yeah and i think even i when i first started reading about things like sexual objectification started feeling like i was more accepting of kind of my my weight and my appearance and things like that i remember the very first things that i would see and at the time um you know being ignorant about ableism so the the things that i would see were things like you know, think about how much your legs can do in this moment. So th- things like that. And so I found myself, at. The, if I look back, I remember thinking about, oh, okay, I should think like that now. So I will think I'm doing yoga. Wow, let me see how much my arms can do. They can carry me and like my legs and whatever. And so to to change that narrative. Mm-hmm. um, But that is, again, like you said, It is ableist and it also risks, like it excludes a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to go beyond that. It's not supposed to be about that either. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, I just, I think that this whole conversation about, like, I think this whole obsession over the body Mm-hmm. is something that needs to be explored and talked about and can can never be separated from the you know our socio-political context can't be separated from policy from politics from um just the world we exist in it doesn't these things don't happen in a vacuum we don't live in a vacuum we're not we're we're not only supposed to kind of change our thoughts for things to change Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's sad that it begins even prior to a child's birth and I think we can go into things like, you know, the 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 very first category you tend to have is gender. Mm-hmm. And you begin to gender that unborn child. Mm-hmm. And that's not to like blame people do because I myself am complicit in that because I find myself, oh wait, is it this or that? I find myself, oh, the names that I've thought of, it's not the same name if it's a girl or a boy. Yeah. And so um, there's those things. And then there's a question of, um, I think this is a different conversation, but I think just there's that natural, like, I'm not blaming anyone, there's that natural curiosity or wanting to categorize, wanting, for me personally, as someone who's pregnant, I feel like after having thought about it, is, it's that desire of wanting things to be real. And so if you have this thing that is supposedly ch- tangible, like gender, then, oh, now the child can feel real to me. Now I know. Mm-hmm. Like what's imagine now, maybe I'm not as anxious about whether the child's alive or not, like you know, like those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. Um, but I think something I'm also curious about that we can speak about another time is also <laughs> how do you navigate not categorizing, not knowing when the world around you has already done that for you Mm -hmm. and so when that baby is born they're already gendered yeah they're already um labeled whatever if they're disabled or not Mm -hmm. they're already going to be seen and identified as something Mm -hmm. and so they're already going to experience the world differently because of their body yeah and so in that sense, then the question becomes you as, like, as someone who's going to be responsible for that kid,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how do you prepare that child for what they're going to experience without you yourself, like, <laughs> um, being aware of those, like, categories, if that makes sense? Yeah
1: yeah it's yeah it's interesting because like it kind of I don't know this kind of reminded me of like last year when I cut my hair really short and for like a couple of months many people like mistook me for being a man or like called me sir and so it was kind of these few months where I was almost like going like back and forth like in between being seen as a woman or a man and it was like I don't know. It was weird for me. It like sort of made me like rethink a lot of things about like my body and everything like that. And it was like, like it's interesting because like obviously I was still the same person, like nothing changed. But suddenly the way people perceive you also like and categorize you, um, like, can make you rethink your body in certain ways. Or, like, people suddenly assuming certain things about, like, my sexuality or, like, gender identity that they didn't when I looked a different way, Mm -hmm. just because of the length of my hair, you know, like, just really, like, just, like, strange things that happen just based on how you're perceived by people. And I think that, like, again, goes to the same thing that we were saying about how it's not just, like, an individual thing, but also, like, very much based on like cultural norms or like you have to categorize people in a certain way
0: exactly yeah yeah um so i think that that's it's just it just shows that you can't separate it um yeah um so again today's episode you'll, you'll be you're you, you're probably hearing it on maybe a podcast um, <laughs> app um, but let us know what you think um subscribe if you can yeah um let us know what you'd like us to talk about there'll be another one next month um and I think the monthly kind of podcasts are working because it gives yeah. us enough time to do other things we have to do mm-hmm. during the month. Um, yeah. But this is a topic that I am super invested in and really interested yeah. in. So um, if you have any suggestions around this topic or beyond this, um, mm-hmm. we are would be happy to hear them.
1: Yeah. And we'll also, I guess, like put maybe like reading recommendations or something like that. Like I think there's a lot. Um, definitely a lot of material related to this
0: yeah and uh music a music playlist too um i i do love our playlists (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um yeah
1: huh i said follow us on spotify
0: (laughs) yeah follow us on spotify um and I'm really bad with endings. This is something that I've realized, not just here. Like I'm, I'm realizing it here, but also in my therapy training. I'm realizing that the hardest part for me is to end something,
1: yeah.
0: and so ending a session in therapy, I hate it. Yeah. And right now, I'm hating ending this podcast.
1: You know? <laughs> That's how I feel with essays. <laughs> the conclusion
0: is weird. Oh my god. <laughs> As well. So there you have some extra content about endings.
1: Okay. <laughs> Next podcast. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye.